You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 89th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I have a good friend and licensed clinical professional counselor, speaker, mental health consultant, Felicia Houston. Her passion is inspiring and empowering people to make self-care a priority. Through dynamic workshops and presentations, Felicia educates her audiences about mental health, wellness, and the importance of work-life balance. Women flock to hear her most popular workshop called Stress Less for Women Only. And that's what I asked Felicia to come on this podcast today to talk about was stressing less. I think we all could use some tips on how to stress less. Welcome, Felicia. And thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kim, for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here with you. Great. I want to start with just a basic, how do you define stress? What is stress? Well, you know what, Kim, I will say that that is the hardest thing to define because it's very different for each person. And if you do attempt to find a definition, you will find 9 million different definitions. But a simple definition for me is that it's a feeling of emotional and physical tension. It can come from an event. It doesn't always have to come from an event. Or it could just come from someone feeling frustrated, angry, or nervous. And stress is basically how your body reacts to the challenge or the demand. So that is my definition of it. But like I said, it's an individual thing. And each person has a different definition of what stress is. You mentioned some, but what are the causes of stress? I imagine that's different for different people as well. Yes, it's very different for um, each person in regards to stress. But the research shows that the number one stressor is work. Then more people experience stress from work. And then it just in my little research, when I do different events and talk at different places, the people who are retired said once they retired, they minimize their stress. That isn't the number one stressor um, in America. That's what the research is showing is that it's work. But then it could be family. It could be finances. It can be relationships. Um, so it's different for each person. And then if you talk about an illness. So a chronic illness could be a stressor for many people. So it's different for each person. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned earlier about stress and how your body responds to it. What does stress actually do to your body? It breaks things down. So like right now is not a good time to have a whole bunch of stress because we're in the middle of a pandemic and we really need our immune system to work at its you know fullest capacity. So when we have high levels of stress, it minimizes our immune system. So you we really want to pay attention to that and be cognizant of our stress levels so that our immune system is not compromised because of it. So like if you have chronic asthma, if you have allergies and things of that sort, the stress makes it worse. So you want to be mindful of your stress level and not wear it as a badge like many people do. Mm, Right. And then I know that there's a lot of connection between stress and many physical ailments too, especially stress that's been experienced over time. What are some of those things that people sometimes think is just a physical problem, but it's been exacerbated by stress? Yeah. And I would say that a lot of the research, even in regards to cancer, So just having a diagnosis of cancer is one thing, but those who minimize their stress level, they seem to have a life with the cancer, whereas those who had high levels of stress, 
seem to not be living their lives because the, the stress level made it so hard for them. Like it's a mindset, you know, it's your perception of your frustration of how or how overwhelmed or not you may be. So you really want to pay attention to your stress level because it does affect your physical and mental and emotional being. Absolutely. Are there some warning signs and symptoms that people can look out for kind of like early signs so that they can head it off at the pass? Absolutely. And what I'll say to that, Kim, is that I think each individual person has to figure out what those signs and symptoms are because everyone is different. And so I just use myself as an example. I get migraines. And so I know when my stress level is heightened, it's the migraine. So I'm noticing, okay, you've had a migraine for three days. That means my stress level must be high if I've had a migraine for three days. But I get warning signs like my head doesn't start hurting right here in the beginning. It starts in the back of my neck. And then it works this way all the way up to my forehead. And once it gets to my forehead in the middle between my eyes, it's too late. But it gave me a warning sign when it was at my neck. So I could have done something then to prevent it. But many people are different. So some people sweat. Some people get heart palpitations. Some people have difficulty concentrating. One lady told me that she had three car accidents in one week. And it was because her stress level was extremely high. So she couldn't focus. And I suggested that she get off the road because that is a problem. You know, (laughs) it's a danger to everyone else. You're going to be driving (laughs) on that road. (laughs) Exactly. So and we don't think about stuff like that, that, you know, that you get in the car and you're so stressed out that you get from one place to the other and you don't even remember how you got from one place to the other. Some people have sweaty palms. A lot of children have stomach aches. And a lot of schools are like, there's nothing wrong. They went to the doctor, but it could just be stress or symptoms. Other symptoms could include grinding of the teeth. One guy said he was so stressed out that he would bite the inside of his jaw until it bled. And I was like, that's a lot of stress. You really need to talk to somebody about that because that's pretty serious. It's different for each person, but you have to spend some time with yourself to figure out how you recognize the stress and how is it showing up in your body. Acne, adult acne is another big one. And a lot of women are reporting that they're losing their hair because of stress. So like I said, it's different for each person, but sometimes after you've been to the doctor and they've ruled everything out, it may just be stress. Right. I know that a lot of autoimmune disorders are being blamed, if you will, on stress as the root cause, things like chronic fatigue or Mm -hmm. fibromyalgia, things like that. I know for me, I call it my solar plexus. I get that feeling right (laughs) here under my breastbone. It isn't heartburn, but it's just this. It's not really a stomach ache, but it's like a sign. It's my symptom that says, Mm -hmm. all right, Kim, something's not right. You better figure it out so that this doesn't get any worse. And if I don't take care of it, it can turn into a full-blown IBS situation, right? Yes, exactly. And that's, that's what a lot of people, you know, so that's why I say you have to know your body. And when your body is giving you those signs, then you need to do some act, you know, right away about it. So, right. I know we're all in a pandemic. We want to believe that it's over. We want it to be over. (laughs) We do. That's true for everyone, I think. Everyone. That's one thing we can all agree to. We want it to be over. Exactly. Barring the pandemic, what is the most stressful situation you've had to deal with this year? Oh, that is a good question, Kim. I would say for me, the most stressful thing during this pandemic was my job. I went from one hospital to another hospital. 
in the midst of a pandemic. So the one hospital I was not going and really wasn't going in the building that often. And then the hospital I went to, I had to go to the building every day and I had to drive 44 miles every day. And I inherited a team that I did not know. And then the hospital was due to close. So it was my job to go over to this new hospital. What is the hospital new to me? And close down the Department of Psychiatry. So no stress. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm telling the people that they're going to lose their job, putting together severance packages, paying our PTO times. It was very stressful. Um, and they gave us one date. We closed everything down. And then three days later, they asked us to come back. <gasps> yes, absolutely. So we came back, starting from ground zero again. And then we closed again about 45 days later. So I would say that was the most stressful thing that I have to endure because people's emotions, you know, when you're losing a job and the uncertainty of knowing what's going to happen and then being in the hospital every day where people are were testing positive for COVID every day in our ER, they would test positive. But if they had psych issues, one of my staff would have to go and do the psych eval, even though the person tested positive for COVID. So it's like you're navigating a minefield all day, every day. Exactly. In addition to people calling off sick. The way our policy was set up is that people will get five days off for COVID. But then I had staff who were like, I think I may have had it, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, yeah, I need something from the doctor. And still trying to be sensitive to people that, you know, it, we are in the midst of a pandemic, but it was a lot. Yeah, it was more than I could ever think or imagine in the midst of a pandemic and then being someplace new and you know having new responsibilities and things of that sort. How did you deal with that? Obviously, you're still here, so you cope <laughs> in some kind of way. How did you do it? I did. I did. I did. What worked for me is I'm a runner. I like to run. So I continue to run at least three to four times a week. And then I didn't take anything personal. You know, I just looked at it as it was an assignment that I was sent there on an assignment and I need to fulfill my assignment. And I did. I built relationships. And I was able to get people to do things that I needed them to do because of the relationships that I built. And I didn't come in trying to change things. I was like, so what do you guys do? You know, learning the culture and things of that sort and making myself a part of the culture as opposed to changing everything when it was about to close. So it wasn't about me. It was about leaving these people with some dignity who had worked there. One of the ladies, my director of nursing, had been there for 40 years. Oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> so she retired. When we closed the last time, she retired. It was good. When we left, I felt like I left people in a good space. That's how I made it through it, that it was an assignment and I just did it. And I'm still here. So <laughs> it wasn't You're too bad. You're still here. That's a great <laughs> testimony to how well you manage that stressor. You mentioned that you run to relieve stress. And I know physical activity is really good for stress relief. I'm not the most physically active person, so I go in a different direction. For me, it's about doing the deep dive into what do I have control over and yes. focusing on what I can control, not on the things that are out of control. And it can be super stressful when you feel like everything's out of your control, but there's never everything out of your control. There's always things that you can do and to focus on those is helpful. But what are some other things that you tell people in your workshops about how to cope? I mean, not everybody's a runner. So what do you mm -hmm. tell people is helpful to relieve stress? That's a good question. And I think you just hit on it with the control thing, especially during the pandemic. I did a lot of trainings and workshops just to reminding people to 
focus on what you can control and making them take time to think about what can you control? Okay, you can control your office hours. Okay, you can control that. You can control who calls you on the phone and who you answer to. You can control how long you have your phone on or if you're going to turn it off, if you put it on, do not disturb because people are stressing you out. You can control who who you have a conversation with and how often you have that conversation. So I think for a lot of people, they were able to minimize their stress. You can control how much news you watch. And I think like during this pandemic... A lot of people experienced a lot of stress because they were watching the news and then they were watching five or six different stations. And I'm like, and they're contradicting each other. Pick you one station, watch about 15 minutes and don't watch the news before you go to bed (laughs) because that is going to cause you a lot of stress and you'll probably be up with insomnia for most of the night. Um, But Right. But when you talk about stress, yes, running works for me, but that's not for everyone. Some people just enjoy walking. Some people like reading. Some people like drawing. If you're artsy, that is not my ministry. But if you are into art, you know, they do art. The biggest thing, the number one thing that I say to people about stress is learn how to say no, because that is the biggest thing for many of us. We overcommit to things and we don't know how to say no. And then unfortunately, Kim, the research shows that women really struggle in this area. So I think if we can learn how to say no, and it's not to be mean or nasty to anyone, but I am not available to do that for you. I would love to assist you, but I'm not available because I have other things that I've already committed to. But thank you for thinking of me. That would help a lot. Some people like journaling, you know, some people like writing books, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) it's different. But I say Come up with your own stressless plan on what works for you, because what works for me may not work for everyone else. When I tell people I run, they automatically say that is making me have I'm having symptoms of stress right now. Just listening to you talk about running. My knees are hurting as you speak, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) so you have to figure out what works like bicycling. I started riding a bike last year. Had not rode a bike in 20 plus years. And this year I bought a brand new bike and I love it. (laughs) So, you know, just whatever works for you. You know, some people, one of my girlfriends, she loves cooking. That is her go-to. When she's stressed, she cooks and she cooks good too. So I'm like, are you feeling stressful today? Because I I need some chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I know when I would be stressed out, usually it was at home, something my husband did or didn't do. My Mm -hmm. way of dealing with that was washing dishes. I never had a dishwasher. So I (laughs) usually had some dishes in the sink and man, those dishes got scrubbed like they've never been scrubbed before when I'm feeling stressed, but that was helpful. And I remember my dad didn't know it at the time, but probably he was stressed out with us kids. There were three of us and, you know, we Uh were kids. And I would often see him in the backyard with an ax chopping wood because we had a wood (laughs) stove. So we needed wood. But I think he went out there when he was stressed out, not always just because the job had to be done. I think that was his stressless plan for him. So I think you're right. I always tell people this and I say, I don't like to tell people this, but then I always do. And it it goes back to the journaling piece. I read an article a few years ago that said journaling proved to be as effective as therapy. And I don't like to say that because, you know, I want people to come to me for go to therapy. Exactly. Exactly. But I also know there's people out there that will never go to therapy that really need it. So if that's you, Journaling can really be very helpful. Mm -hmm. The one thing I would caution you about, though, is if you're journaling about people that live with you that might read that journal, you have to be very protective about where you keep it because that could cause even more stress, right? 
I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that can cause you a whole bunch more. <laughs> it surely can. It surely can. So you have and to kind of go down the road and what could this be? Exactly. Now, Kim, what I did want to share when you talked about your dad with the acts, there are two things that I've seen just recently that helps you to reduce stress. So axe throwing is an actual thing that the researchers are showing that that is um, a thing now. You can go to places and pay to actually do axe throwing. Like I saw one guy, he was throwing an axe throwing party. He was having an axe throwing party. And then there's another thing called break room. You go into these rooms and there's one in Homewood and you break everything in that room. <laughs> they give you like a sledgehammer and you break everything. And that's supposed to help to reduce the stress. They are getting pretty creative in regards to helping people to minimize their stress. So you just have to find what works for you and do it and do it often. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Because if you do what you do often enough, you can actually prevent the stress from happening. It's a prevention rather than an intervention. And if you wait long enough, you're going to be doing a postvention. And that means (laughs) you've already experienced some pretty significant consequences from holding on to that stress. Absolutely. Do you have any stress less resources you'd be willing to share with our audience? Yes, I would say that during the pandemic, I found a lot of free resources. For instance, one example is the American Heart Association. The American Heart Association has tons of free resources, especially during the pandemic. They had cooking classes, they have meditation classes, so they have strength classes. So if you just look up the American Heart Association, there are tons of free resources on there. And a lot of people are doing the free virtual Zumba classes, dance classes and things of that sort. So there's a lot out there to help you to minimize your stress. I'm with UChicago Medicine at Ingalls. If you ever need any assistance, we're available for We have psych inpatient and outpatient, and then we have a chemical dependency program as well. And then Kim, during this pandemic, I created an adult coloring book because I do feel that coloring is a good way to minimize your stress, to reduce your stress level. Men and women. I did a session with some survivors and there was a 76-year-old survivor, a male survivor, an African-American male, and he was not interested in coloring at all. He was like, I'm not coloring, so you just leave me alone. And and I said, okay, but we're going to be coloring so you can do whatever you want. He didn't want to do it at first, but then I gave him some crayons and he just looked at them and then he started coloring. He said, well, it's your little crappy crayons. You know, if you had better crayons, then I probably would color. (laughs) And so Uh... I said, okay, (laughs) I have some more crayons in my bag. And so I gave him some crayons. He colored his picture, Kim. It was like a piece of art. Like I could have framed his art and he just started crying. I said, when was the last time you colored? He said, I don't even remember. He said, but I really like it. He said, it really helped me to just calm down. I said, yes, it did. Because you were like on 25. And so that's what I say. I'm like, coloring is, is a good thing. And so during this pandemic, I did create an adult coloring book and it's on Amazon. And it's just a way for people to just pause and do something that is not related to stress. So just get out there and do some coloring. So I will include the link to your coloring book in our show notes so people can just click on it and get to Amazon and find your coloring book because I think that's an amazing resource. Can you tell us how they would get in touch with you, Felicia, if they're looking for some services through Ingalls? If they want to call the hospital, my number is 708-915-6873. Or if you want to shoot me an email, my email is fhoustonhou. S-T-O-N at Ingalls, I-N-G-A-L-L-S dot org. 
Okay. Terrific. Is there anything you'd like to add for the audience that we haven't already talked about? The only thing that I would add is that during this pandemic, I would say I really seen the benefit of having a self-care plan. And I know the buzz, it's like a buzzword now, but I've always been about self-care, but I strongly encourage your listeners to develop your own self-care plan and to follow a self-care plan. If you don't have one, create one, because that's what's going to help us to make it through this pandemic. That's what many people who have made it through is because they had a self-care plan and they made it a priority. It wasn't a luxury. It was a necessity. That's the only thing that I would add is that have your self-care plan so that you could be around. Do you ever have people who feel like the self-care plan is just one more thing on their to-do list, adding stress to their life? Absolutely. And I think the way that I look at it is that I I posted something this morning in one of my groups that self-care is not about taking a bubble bath, going to the spa or things of that sort. There's different types of self-care. So there's mental self-care. So mental self-care could mean I'm going to read a book that I want to read. And so like for this month, that's one of my goals to read this book, but I'm not reading that whole book. I'm doing 10 pages a day. So that that keeps my stress level down. If I just do 10 pages a day, I'll be able to do it. So there's different types of self-care. But just know that it's a necessity because if you don't do this, you will end up being forced to do it. So we see people in the hospital in the emergency room all the time who've neglected it. And then now they're like, okay, now I'm going to focus on me. So how about we just be proactive Mm. and just do it on the front end? It could be 30 seconds. It could be lock the bathroom door (laughs) and don't let anyone in for two minutes. So you could just sit in there and do nothing and just be with yourself and really just process how you are really feeling. So that's what I would say that you can't afford to not do self-care because it's very important. And I don't want to see you in the Department of Psychiatry or in the emergency room because you failed to make yourself a priority. Great, Felicia. That's been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us. You have given us lots of great tips about stressing less and good self-care. So I appreciate you and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Kim. Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Anasuya Jagathisan about mental health on the college campus. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.